Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 from our perch here in 2023. I am one of your hosts, Phyllis Gove. And I am your special guest host, Emily St. James, sitting in for your normal host, the CGI recreation of Livia Soprano from that one episode of The Sopranos. What range she has, though. When I like, I have, I first got to know her from Lou Grant. And then oh, I, I saw, I saw her, I saw, she won three Emmys for it. I saw her in this mm-hmm. and I was like, why is she not talking like Livia Soprano? Like I knew she could do so much more. And I still was like, she should be doing her Livia Soprano voice. I mean, in this, she absolutely should have been. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 that, that's not, that's, that's not a question. So I, just to give a little bit of context for our listeners here, um, I reached out to Sean and Hunter independently and said, I'd love you guys to come on for 1992. Hunter was like, I'll come on for anything you want. A classic rookie move on Hunter Covington's part, but he did say whatever you want. So then Sean gives me a list of movies of which I put his name next to all the, you know, good movies. And then they were good movies. Yeah. Good I movies. actually, yeah, I made a point to say, like, yes, no, absolutely. I've been on podcast. I'm giving, you, I'm giving yeah. you the credit that you are due, which is that you actually picked good movies. But you also made the rookie mistake of picking a bad movie. So if you pick a yeah. bad movie, I'm going to make it stick to you. And you picked Brain Donors. I just want to say, did. like, it's, a, it's a little bit like it's not a full rookie move, though. I just like I, sometimes I feel pressure to go on for a movie that I like. So sure. sometimes sure. I just feel like, eh, you know, uh, let's just see what happens. No, I, I think just, it's also like there's it's so easy. It's so it's so much harder to talk about a movie that you like. Because then you also have to like 
give like this respect Reasons. to it. Right, right. Uh, with brain donors, it's easy. And also, I like this movie. <laughs> I, I'm just now realizing I have to watch all the movies, and this feels like a poor thought, forethought on my part. Yeah, like well, I should have Livia come. Yeah, back. <laughs> it's listen. You don't. We're we'll figure it out, Emily. I'm not too worried about us covering every movie from 1992. We're gonna figure this out. But point is. You brought up Brain Donors, a movie I didn't know existed, Sean. I didn't know. Emily Hunter, did you know this movie existed prior to this? Uh, zero idea. <laughs> I Like z- negative zero. I think so. Blank Check did a, a March Madness bracket that had Dennis Dugan on it. And I, I, was, I was standing Dennis Dugan, you know, mm-hmm. one of those things I do where I like, do a thing ironically and then it becomes my personality um uh-huh. uh that's by the way called, that's just called a personality that's yeah. <laughs> um but yeah and so i saw this movie in there i was like what the fuck is brain donors but that's the only time i've ever thought about it until i had to watch it so here's the weird part is that i didn't know this movie existed um spoiler this movie's unavailable to stream to my apologies to rent so for anyone who's listening and wants to watch this movie, you can, but I simply refuse to spend $13 and I also refuse to force my guests and my co-host to spend this money. So we can, found another Can I make watch. a slight admission? I, I would like you to admit it? something. Uh, so I found out this movie existed last year. Uh, independent of a Dennis Dugan bracket or anything, sure. like this was, sure. I was, I was researching Pat Proft, uh, Proft who uh, okay. wrote this screenplay. And he was like part of the Kentucky Fried movie people, the Ken- mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried Theater. And I found out he wrote a Marx Brothers movie starring John Turturro. Quote, so quote, I could not find it anywhere. So I already owned it. I owned it on DVD. Well, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> for for the re- for the rest of us phil got us access to a vpn because this is in the top 10 on netflix tajikistan so like we all just watched it there it's great i if i so, knew you had that dvd i would have yeah, driven over to your house sean and i would like, <laughs> let's fucking do this we, we so, can watch it together my wife was so mad that i had to watch this movie again oh yeah I bet she was. First of all, this movie is only 87 minutes long with credits to, you know, relatively extended claymation sequences that bookend this film. So it is it is 79 minutes long. Like it is even shorter than. And I was like, just watching. I was like, this movie's already half over. And I was like, yeah, because it's 79 minutes long. Yeah, I told Phil when Phil said the runtime was uh, 79 minutes, I said, this is already my favorite movie in the world. It's a, <laughs> this is the perfect length for comedy. So coming into it, it was five out of five stars for me. I mean, it does not overstay its welcome. I don't know. I have cuts. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are definitely cuts. I, I have to agree with you, Hunter. Uh, as somebody who likes this movie, I... I found five things I would cut immediately <laughs> the first time I watched it. I think I have five more in this subsequent viewing. So I'm just going to give a little bit of context for our listeners who might not have seen Brain Donors. And based on his box office, that seems like a lot. Um, the synopsis is, I didn't write this, but I love it. 
three manic idiots, a lawyer, a cab driver, and a handyman team up to run a ballet company to fulfill the will of a millionaire. Tomfoolery results as the trio try to outwit the rich widow and her scheming big shot lawyer. Not an inaccurate synopsis. uh, Yeah, please. How many Oscar Best Picture nominees this year could credibly have the phrase tomfoolery results in their plot summary? (laughs) Very I few. feel None. I feel like it's I, just Avatar the Way of Water. <laughs> I, you know, I there's tomfoolery and everything everywhere all at once. This is there true. Is. There, yeah. yeah, there's butt plugs. I guess that I, I haven't seen I haven't seen Babylon, but the vibe it gives me is a tomfoolery vibe. <laughs> oh there's some tomfoolery. There's some yeah, tomfoolery. Okay. But, but you know, I mean like yeah, I mean we're not gonna talk about Babylon, we're not talking, but that well, is we might at some point. But, some might, but, it might happen. Um, it might happen. But so, that the best movie of 2022. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fuck yes. Fuck <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. Wild this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, Brain Donors opened on April 17th, 1992 against Basic Instinct, White Men Can't Jump, Beethoven, Sleepwalkers, and of course, <laughs> The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this, is, this is classic <laughs> counter-programming. We will put out a piece of shit. Yeah. There's a lot of great choices this weekend, folks. <laughs> We don't want any of this. Wait, they all opened on the same weekend? Yeah. There's like, I... you know, just four films that stood the test of time and brain donors. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to imagine like going to the theater and being like Beethoven, brain donors. Beethoven, brain donors. It's tough. Um, it only made nine hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so movie really didn't perform but i i really scrubbed the internet and i could not find a budget for this movie so i don't know how much it cost my assumption is probably 12 10 or 12 maybe i don't know i I mean you got to you got to turo coming hot off bart and fink (laughs) like it's another the, movie, you know, another movie that nobody watched at the time. <laughs> yeah. But can I just say, are we not sure that he didn't shoot this in between scenes of Barton Fink? Because he's literally rocking a Barton Fink look. I do think Barton Fink put Totoro on the Zucker Brothers radar, and they were like, "Oh my god, this guy could probably do a Groucho." And then they met with him, and they're like. And he's like, I could probably do a Groucho. <laughs> and then you oh see the God. movie and you're like, I think he can maybe do a Groucho after well, okay, watching Okay, but it. can I, can I, 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 I I'm going to stop Wait, you for I, one quick second here. I, yes, please. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, no, Hunter. I, yeah. Well, I want to say when I started watching it, mm-hmm. I immediately was like, this is no Billy Madison. Yeah. Well, okay. And so, then I read, because this is where you're going, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. go ahead. So, so. This movie is directed by Dennis Dugan um, of Adam Sandler fame, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted Adam Sandler to be the lead in this movie in 92. And unsurprisingly, I say that not as slight on Adam Sandler, but at that stage in his career, Paramount didn't want to pony up the money or you know, just didn't want to bank this movie on him. So he did not get cast. But someone turned down the role of Ronald T. Uh, Flack Fixer? Flack Pfizer. Flack Pfizer. My apologies. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's rolling. It's rolling. The uh, rolling confidence. Uh, Roland T. Flack Pfizer. So, so Alec Baldwin turned down the role. Now, I don't know what that movie looks like, but I, that's crazy. Uh, Sandler, Sandler should have played the Bob Nelson part. 
he could have crushed that. Preach, preach. We'd all be like, we'd all be like Totoro and Sandler together again. They'd become like an enduring comedy duo. It'd just be like so yes. exciting. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, it is like, doesn't that Phil? Doesn't that Wikipedia article uh, reference like the the road movies? Correct. So that I mean, I can see Totoro. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of Bob Hope kind of old together. school road. Like, there's a lot. Listen, this movie is not lacking influences. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, well, they're is, they're right. far better than this movie. But the the audacity to make this movie right. in 1992 is, I Correct. think, something to be completely respected. I love Absolutely. how big of a swing it is. It's so bizarre. Some of the jokes land so well. And also, to me, all I need out of comedy is a bunch of dumb guys making other people's lives harder. And I think every good comedy boils down to that. I I mean, this is, it's a chaos movie, for sure. I generally agree. Like, I, I generally agree, but I think it's weirdly missing. And this is so hacky to even bring up at this point. But there's no save the cat moment of like, why do you give a fuck about any of these characters, which is such a simple thing to throw into a movie. And then the other thing is, if they just had those three guys somehow know each other at the beginning, it would make so much more sense. And like, they need to get the money to do the thing for the something, anything. They just make it a lot harder for themselves in a weird way to sort of to to enter the movie like as a viewer it's like they're basically thumbing their nose at the audience and saying like no 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 no. we're gonna we're gonna make you jump through some hoops to like these schmucks like it's a strange thing um just let me very quickly uh give just this last bit of context the movie's got 45 percent on rotten tomatoes from critics 85 percent from audiences so the people that saw this movie liked this movie (laughs) Yeah. But that's uh, like saying you like the top of a mountain. I mean, you climb yeah. to the fucking top of a mountain. Like they had to work yeah. so hard to get the movie. Get the view up there, man. The view up there is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle thought that the film was an audacious attempt to actually make them like they used to with no apologies, no nostalgia. It's no masterpiece, but neither was every Marx Brothers movie. Uh, Janet Maslin of the New York Times said the brain donors will stop at very little to get its laughs. And Mr. Turturro has just the right silliness for the occasion. Uh, and the, the South Florida Sun Sentinel you know, a, a renowned newspaper. Um, the paper of record, yes. The paper of record said, <laughs> it doesn't have one believable, well-rounded character, it doesn't appeal to our nobler emotions, and it doesn't have anything politically correct to say about any important social problems. These seemingly seem like faults, however, are exactly the qualities that make it the most hilarious film of the year. I'm going to take issue with that. I think this movie has a lot to say about arts funding, actually. It actually, like, does. It actually <laughs> does. By the way, I think it really does, actually. <laughs> I could see them, like, screening this at, like, a town council meeting to get more money for the arts. Like, yeah. just this is me, what happens when you don't fund minutes. the arts? Yeah. <laughs> fund the arts or I'm going to make you watch Brain Donors. Yeah. Like... I mean, but I want to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Sean, in the sense that, like, because I was racking my brain as I was watching this, 
And actually, I texted, <clears throat> I texted Kenny during this as well. Not that he had seen Brain Donors, <laughs> um, but I texted him because he's he's a big Dennis Dugan stan. Like he really loves Dennis Dugan, but he had not seen this film. And I asked him, you know, this kind of Zucker's brand of comedy, your sort of your Naked Guns, your airplanes, what have you, that sort of came out of the late seventies, early eighties. Even though this film is in ninety two, so maybe that's one of the problems. But is there anyone doing that today? Like, do you guys, you obviously Hunter and, and, and Sean, you guys are, you know, quote unquote comedy writers. And I feel like. Thank you, uh, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was brutal. That was a joke. I wow. Know. Kenny, turns out Kenny was the heart of this podcast. Like, <laughs> My point is you guys know that world obviously far better than I do. Is there someone that comes to mind? Is there a comedy team? Is there anyone that you guys think kind of is in this milieu? I can say somebody who tried it recently okay. and it really didn't work for me, and I think yes. it worked for a few seasons, is Angie Tribeca. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So that was like a real attempt sure. at this kind of, I don't know, broad slapstick. Well, it's shtick, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I, I feel like a lot of comedy now doesn't do shtick, except, like, I think uh, Three Busy Debras, which was on Adult Swim for two seasons, they did shtick. A lot. And I think uh, Sarah Squirm on SNL kind of is bringing it back. She's kind of very big and broad and it's awesome. Like a a huge Sarah Sherman fan uh, called her by her stage name, Sarah Squirm. But like, uh, but yeah, she rolls. Uh, So I I think there are people who are, it feels like Gen Z is approaching a chaos that maybe the last couple generations uh tried so hard to get rid of uh i i i do like i have i think that this brand of comedy specifically the zazz thing like evolves into the family guy thing like it's not it's it's not in this it's not the same thing but it's on the same evolutionary tree and then people get sick of it and they're like i don't want to do this anymore so yeah, you you kind of need a generation that was born into extreme economic inequality and global collapse to be able to like revive it in yeah. the way that like, you know, the fucking greatest generation or well, whatever was like, where are my pants? They're in my pocket. <laughs> but do, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I think that's, I think that's fair because kind of what we're talking about with shtick and, you know, these kind of things in the family guy cutaways that don't really are sort of untethered. Mm. It's like they're just jokes for joke's sake. And at a certain point, you're like, well, I want to watch a TV show or I want to watch a movie. I want to watch a story. Right. So I think that, yes, the more depressing the uh, socio-political times are, the more that stuff is appealing. Just jokes. Let's just do a million jokes. I, I was kind of like thinking about um, this, you know, all this sort of style of comedy. And I think what happened was at a certain point, people realized making the reference was enough. You didn't have to do the joke beyond it, which was like the real strength of Mel Brooks or uh, the early Zuckers, Abraham's projects. Um, and then it was just like, well, if I just notice this thing then people will laugh because they've also seen the thing. And like, I'm not immune to that. I will laugh because I've seen a thing, but it, it, it kind of kills that comedy when it's just a list of, Hey, have you noticed this? Well, I I think my, I'll say my favorite joke in this movie, which is real, a real tough competition um, (laughs) is the uh, five minutes, five minutes to stage, four minutes to stage. And he keeps mm-hmm. saying his name, and then he says four minutes to stage, Mister mm-hmm. Jolson, which right. is like a very 
Who's that's just a good example of a joke that's like, who even is getting this joke? Especially today, nobody's getting it. Who's that but joke in 1992, for? that is a joke for some cinematic historians. Well, like octogenarians are going to be like rolling yeah. in the aisles. For that in one. 2023, that's a joke for Babylon stands. Let's just yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Because as I was watching this, the two people that came to mind, or I guess technically the three people or four people, the Farrelly's and uh, Trey and Matt, like uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Like, I do feel like the Farrelly's are obviously big Three Stooges fans. And this movie has a lot of, I mean, the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges are different. I think the Marx Brothers are, I mean, I guess a little more intellectual. I mean, is that the right word for it? I mean, there just seems to be a little bit more. How would you guys describe the difference between those two, you know, guys? Three Stooges were very, like, violent and crass, where, right. like, the the Marx Brothers were rebelling against the upper class. They were truly punching up. So it's, like, right. kind of, yeah, they're... Uh, there's more stories. Socialist, yeah, socialist Brothers. heroes. But yeah. that is something that I think, like, uh, Brain Donors actually nails, is having the, that awful, awful relationship drama between the ballet dancer and her uh also terrible dancer boyfriend and it's so bland and every time it's on screen you're like why won't this end but that also happens at every marx brothers that like the like 1930s teen dreams who are hooking up and you're like please stop this can we go back and do more mirror bits the mirror bits so fun and that's what brain donors gets right i I agree with that I mean, there's not, I, you know, I was, I am more of a fan of the Marx Brothers than the Three Stooges. I find this Three Stooges just a little bit, I'm, I, generally speaking, I am not a fan of uh, physical humor, super broad humor. Um, that being said, I think Airplane and Top Secret and like the Naked Gun movies are hilarious. So like, it's not as though I'm immune to that brand of comedy, but I think that the Farrelly Brothers, which seem more in the vein of three stooges in terms of it's a little bit more gross out humor it's a little bit less sort of um you know it's 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 a little bit more fart jokes and a little less you know has that doesn't have as much to say whereas i feel like parker and stone are very smart guys who have baked in a lot of social commentary into their stuff which makes them a little bit more marx brothersy but i don't know like i'm trying to think of like the, the like basketball which i believe was produced by sucker yeah so, like, there is kind of a harmony there a little bit. But I, th- I think that, um, and I don't know shit about anything. I'm a sports marketing <laughs> major. Um, <laughs> I, I think, to me, uh, the Farrelly brothers and, um, we'll just say in concert, the uh, Three Stooges, sure. it's sort of more about um, them personally, like the characters, sure. in a way, and being like the drown- downtrodden men. And that's, I'm just thinking of Kingpin, you know, all these yes, classic yes, yes. Farley brothers. And I think the Marx brothers and Matt and Trey are kind of a little bit more on like, you know, social commentary and like yeah. what's going on in the world. And not that one's better than the other, but I think yeah, to me, yeah. that's kind of what the difference is. For sure. It, it, it just, it is interesting that like, even Dennis Dugan, whose career has obviously flourished, he's directed a lot of movies, uh, most of them with Adam Sandler, at least his most successful ones with Adam Sandler. And and they have found a lane for themselves in terms of um, 
I mean, it, it's it's not even remotely close to brain donors necessarily, but it's not that far away from like you can sort of see the line between a brain donors and like, you know, a grown ups or a Jack and Jill. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's it's not like I mean, is that crazy to say? Like, I know that obviously this was a big disaster and didn't make any money and doesn't really exist. But Dennis Dugan's career is still flourished with with, you know. Some but I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to, some people are leads and some people aren't leads. Sure. I'll just start with that. <laughs> Leslie, Nielsen's, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's fucking incredible and you just want him to win. Val Kilmer is like, I mean, he's, uh, whatever he is today, I don't know, but in the moment in Top yep. Secret, yep, you're just like, Nick Rivers, fuck, you're just like, yes, yep. I want him to win. Yep. In this movie, People come on screen, and sometimes you're like, I just want you to go away from me. I don't even want you to be here. Like, it's just, it's hard. But Leslie Nielsen starring in this movie would just make it all work so much better. And that's no knock on, uh, you know, it's, it's, no, no, I I agree. It's funny. The John Turturro thing, which, what's interesting is that, um, I I just recently watched Monkey Bone, uh, because they were covering Henry Selleck on, on Blank Check, a movie that I, don't know if anyone else has seen, um, but uh, but I've John seen Turturro, Cool World though, because I host this fucking podcast. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so John Turturro is the voice of the titular Monkey Bone in Monkey right. Bone, um, and it's interesting watching this. I kind of was like, maybe that's why they cast him in Monkey Bone. Like they saw this. And they were like, he can do weird and kooky because like th- those are the only two times he really does it. I mean, I don't really think that Jesus in, in Big Lebowski counts because it doesn't. I mean, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just not really he's not bad in this movie. But to your point, Hunter, I'm not rooting for him. But that, but that's you know, a good character sample to, or, or good, good yeah. comparison, because then he he made the, the, the Jesus movie. Yeah, and I just and all I could think was I I will never watch this. Never, never. I will open the emergency exit on the plane. <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will get out of there. Like it's just like whoa, sure. that's a miscalculation. Yes. Of, yeah. But <laughs> uh, I do think Totoro is very good in this movie. Outside of I think he's, of, yeah. I think I did, he's I easily too. the the strongest brain donor by far. Sure. But yeah. But I will say it is strange and also very bad for, you know, uh creating a likable character when the third thing they say is basically I had sex with an underage girl. And yeah. he keeps going back to this well that I don't even think was funny in the forties. Or maybe it was, who knows? But like I mean, it's such I worked a at a factory. Runner. I worked at a factory and that's sort of like that's the default comedy, right? Like that's sort of like <laughs> most baseline, like you're gay, I'm a pedo, uh, like, you know, the most baseline comedy. So it, it was very strange to keep going back to that. Well, I mean, what's interesting too, like I'm just looking at, at Totoro's filmography and obviously he's got any number of amazing supporting performances. He's a tremendous character actor, do the right thing. Mo better blues, Miller's crossing, obviously Barton Fink, um, Barton Fink's 91. Uh, this is directly after it. So I don't think you're wrong, Sean, in saying that like the Zuckers watch this and that watch Barton figure like this might be our guy. And I don't necessarily think that they're wrong. To your point, I think he is the strongest of the three of them. But then he quickly does nothing like this ever again. <laughs> like it's 
it, it takes a while. It, it's basically <laughs> it's basically Sandler pulling him back into comedy correct, a little bit, correct. like because uh, I mean, like I think he is like a standout in the movie Mister Deeds. Sure, uh, sure. like uh, which did you can direct that? Yes. No, oh, that's sure. a brill. That's a brill. Uh, that's a, a Stephen Brill. Yeah, it's either uh, one or the other. But <laughs> yeah, no. Totoro, Totoro picks his comedy spots and sometimes misses. I mean, listen, he, he obviously, like, you know, he's in uh, Old Brother Work, though. So, like, you know, he obviously believes in the Coens and he's like, whatever you want me to do. And I think that they kind of probably scratch that itch for him because they allow him to be kind of silly. Um, but it, it is just interesting. I, it, it is a. It, I don't disagree that as I was watching this movie, I was like, is this one of John Totoro's best comedic performances? Because he is so fucking dedicated right like you can tell he's just like i know what this is i know what movie i'm in for good or bad i'm doing this thing i would say this is a top five comedic performance from john totoro which is (laughs) out of his four out of his four (laughs) comedic performances this is in the top five (laughs) i think i'm gonna go zohan one mr deeds two but I, I, I do want to just take a quick second uh, just to talk about the Dennis Dugan of it all. Because the first film he directs and writes is Problem Child in 90, which I've never seen. Um, but I feel like every parent has seen it. Is that Launched, a, fr- launched a franchise. Actually, yeah. the second my child was born in the hospital, they were like, you have to watch Problem Child. Now. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I saw Problem Child three times in theaters uh, as a five-year-old. I was obsessed with it. <laughs> then when I was a talking head on VH1 shows, I met Problem Child, and he's a sword guy now. And he was showing me how to how he handles his sword outside in the parking lot. And I, I vowed to never watch that movie ever again. He okay. was such a creep. Say, you seeing this three times in the theater as a five year old really yeah. that that defines you, Sean. Like I I don't I don't know yeah. that like. Anything. I think it ruined. I think it ruined it. <laughs> it did. I mean, I love it. It's so. It's so. It was so great. I mean, it's a. It's a Larry and Scott film. Uh, is it really? It, it is. It was their their first screenplay they ever sold. Holy uh, shit! I didn't know that. That's crazy. Oh my god! You got uh. You got John Ritter. You sure. got uh. Is it Kirstie Alley? What? No. Who is the Who's the female lead? Oh um. Kirstie Alley. Look who's talking. Mm-hmm. Well, she's in another madhouse. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. She's in like another weird kind of like kids destroy a house thing. The, the girl is, uh, the woman is Amy Yazbek, who hey. eventually. And then they fell in love and got married. They, they fa- <laughs> fell in love. You got Michael Richards. You got Jack Warden and Gilbert Gottfried's like defining role. I, I am so glad now that like when I'm at a dinner Tiago's party. Is I'm so glad that when I'm like at a dinner party, uh, somebody will be like, so what do you think about the political situation? You know, how do we feel about spy balloons, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, you know, do you know that the problem child's a sword guy now? And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, actually, childhood. <laughs> I actually have a Dennis Dugan story that I heard secondhand. Oh, please, hand. please. Uh, uh, yes. uh, uh, so re- uh, so uh, rest in peace to Norm MacDonald who told me this story. But when they were filming Grown Ups, uh, when they're filming Grown Ups, Maya and it was basically a vacation in New England for yeah. everyone for like two months. And Maya Rudolph came there with her family, which of course includes Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure. He did a set visit 
And Dennis went up to him and said, Maya told me you also make films. Uh, you want to see how I do it? And he brought him over to Video Village and just explained how he directs while sitting in a chair. Holy <laughs> shit. And he did it in front of the entire cast. And then Norm was like, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen because we asked Dennis, if, and he had never seen a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's perfect. I yeah. he, So he, he has been... Uh, nominated twice and won sorry nominated three times and won two Razzies for worst director um I don't he, think you win those by the way well, like, I mean I also, do. I also want to say you have to be a good enough director to have to make a massively popular movie Correct. In order yeah. to even be considered to be the, the worst. The Razzies are bullshit. I'm not suggesting yeah. the Razzies hold any weight in this. I'm just saying. Phil, even I'll, after uh, what's her name from uh, The Shining, Shelley Duvall, they gave her a Razzie. Yeah. Given yeah. all she went through in that movie. <laughs> they they want to get her while she was. Razzies are yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the Razzies, I think everyone who is a part of it are scumbags. Terrible, except I do people. think they totally nailed it by nominating that child. Yeah, I just want to go on record. Uh, I don't remember who the child was or what the movie was, but it's very it was Firestarter. Funny. Uh, it was yeah, a straight yeah, Peacock release of Firestarter that they decided to uh, kick her in the teeth over. But just for what it's worth, Dennis Dugan was nominated for a Razzie for Big Daddy. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Grown Ups 2 won because he was nominated twice in the same year for Just Go With It and Jack and Joe. So take that for mm-hmm. what it's worth. Um, he does Problem Child in 90. He does Brain Donors in 92. Then he takes a, bit, a little bit of a breather for uh, about four years. And then he does Happy Gilmore. I think that's or, called movie jail. Yeah, that's movie, movie jail. jail yeah. yeah. Emily has now changed her background to Dennis Dugan. I assume that's Dennis Dugan. That's Dennis Dugan. That's my name. Yeah. There <laughs> he is. Sad. There he is. Least uh, funny looking person I've ever seen in my life. Is he, no. he was an actor too, right? He was in he, things. He was yeah, he was a TV actor, and that is why he also like Sandler was a huge fan right. of his from his acting, and like the first time they met, he was like, "Oh my god, you were my favorite part on like the Waltons or something." Looking at his acting, I'm trying to think of what it is that I know him from, and that is why I think Dennis Dugan watched a cast of Brain Doors. You know what I know him from? <laughs> I know him from Parenthood, the movie, because he plays Steve Martin's boss in that, and he's uh. like an asshole to him and that's it yeah anyway yeah he's uh i mean listen dennis dugan's figured it out clearly i mean i don't know he seems to be doing very well but all that being said uh this was sort of a misstep i think he would probably say it was a misstep i, I mean do you um i guess I'm, i I've, it's a comedy question for you guys in terms of uh <laughs> quantity versus quality of jokes because well, this movie seems to be yeah. just coming at you a mile a minute with a million jokes in the hopes that like one of them will hit at some point. And I think the 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 main issue is can anything actually land? And it really doesn't yeah. matter because none of it matters to the plot, which is right. probably right. one of my main things. So yeah. I think that's what the main problem is with doing this. Sure. There's a million if you look at um I just keep going back to top secret or whatever, but yeah. Or airplanes. I mean, Top yeah. Secret's much more um, set everything up, and and the jokes kind of come from 
sure. you know, the scene or whatever. Um, but anyway, I'd love to hear what Sean has to say. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you 100% on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a hard thing to think about quality over quantity because I do think what they're trying to replicate was was kind of a machine gun type of comedy, like uh, which I also think like the Animaniacs did better maybe two years later sure. than this. But like, I think back, I think quality is always going to be better than quantity because I remember there was a stand-up comedian in New York who I will not name, but his set was basically he would do 150 jokes in 10 minutes and he was like machine gun comedy and you're always so impressed that he got so many jokes out but then when you really thought about it he probably hit three times in 10 minutes which is a horrific success rate and eventually everyone kind of figured that out and he lost his like heat so right. in so many ways, I think it proves that even audiences are like, we want quality. But that comedian oh, that that comedian was me. And I'm gonna <laughs> kick Sean's ass after this. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> Why are we taping this in person? <laughs> but I I mean, I guess the reason that I'm asking the question is like, you know, Hunter, you bring up top secret. Um, you know, obviously the Zuckers were sort of cut similarly from Mel Brooks, which was like pick a sandbox or a genre or a type of movie and kind of parody that and play within that genre, if you will. And it seems as though this movie is sort of like Marx Brothers. That's kind of what we're, or, or, you know, uh, Three Stooges, like that's the box that we're playing in, but it's too vague in a weird way. Like I, I think that those movies work because you understand the limitations and the rules and this movie is without rules. It's it just like... Yeah, I, and I think that I think it's the same... I don't know if it's the same year, but it's the same era. Robin Hood Men in Tights is like one yes. of my favorites. Sure. But like all the jokes and everything are very strictly, you know, the referencing there's a black sheriff that worked in Blazing Saddle. Like there's all... Like everything is sort of within Robin Hood. You don't necessarily have jokes that are just kind of I think to me, this feels like a bit of a trap of someone coming to you and saying, do you want to write a movie? It's like, it's like a class thing, but then it's in the ballet. It's like, there's so many jokes. And then you're like, "Eh, there's not that many jokes here. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, Sean, that you think there's stuff to cut from this movie because then you're you're not getting to a theatrical length. Like I don't no, know no, that no, this. No, no, no. I, that, that is the, that is the thing. Is this <laughs> this probably should have been a pilot that was unaired. Uh... They yeah. should cut. They should cut a solid ten minutes out of this and just make it an episode of Last of Us. It'd be great. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Pe- Pedro Pascal, like just sits down yeah. and remembers. He's like thinking back, and he and he's like, I remember watching Brain Donors, and Ellie's like, What's that? And then like you just see Brain Donors. <laughs> oh my god! It's almost like um, you could do like uh, in Tropic Thunder where he has to act out yeah. Simple yeah. Jack, yeah, 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 for yeah. the drug cartel yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You just Perfect. do that with yes. Pedro Pascal doing all the characters <laughs> and brain donors. Um, in terms of the uh, development of this film, just uh, you know, some some stuff that's worth uh, mentioning. Uh, they claim that this movie is loosely based on a night at the opera and a day at the races, so much so that, in fact, I think they actually had to give credit to those movies, yeah. um, which is weird because I don't. A night at the opera, sure, because there's the ballet part at the end. But I don't know about the night of the races or day at the races part. But I mean, whatever. I, 
I think it just is. It's basically just stealing the structure completely. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, enough. yeah, pre- pretty wholesale. I mean, yeah. I mean, this movie. I, I also kind of get why the Zucker Zuckers and Pat Prop would think they could pull this off. Sure. Like they were just on such a hot streak. They were on and fire. like, and like basically just. They have like almost there. I don't think the jokes are as funny, but they've mimicked the Groucho joke style fairly well. Like, I mean, like, uh, like thinking just the ones that I wrote down are like, you're lying. Of course I am. But hear me out. Like, that's a great Groucho line. And I mean, I get I get it. I'm, I'm I was excited about it. I do think there was just too much time had passed from the 30s to the 90s where like <laughs> where this this style is just so out of date and antiquated that even watching it now it just it just does not make sense like you can't too much time it passed <laughs> to, it, it's it, the like the world is just a, such a different place uh. it just could not it doesn't work at all but like for that exact reason though the 40s and the 70s is why like i think like uh What's Up Doc by uh, Peter Bogdanovich completely worked as like a screwball doing the screwball comedy sure. of like the 1940s because not enough time. Uh, sure. There's like a perfect uh, separation between the time. I, I mean, I, I think there's something to be just for, for our listeners who might not know the Zuckers all that well. They start with Kentucky Fried Movie in 77. They do Airplane in 80, Top Secret 84, uh, Ruthless People. 86 naked gun in 88 naked gun in 91 naked gun in 94 and that's kind of the end of the road because i do think that the 90s weren't as kind to them <laughs> there's there's a cat here uh the 90s were, <laughs> uh there was it, it it just feels like um they got away with this in the eight like the 80s was a fertile ground for them and then i think when people started to become a little bit more I hate to say it, but like politically correct or whatever you want to say, like something kind of got away from them. Do you guys have thoughts on that? I mean, yeah. fucking what's his name? Abraham went nuts. Like he, he, he lost his mind. Yeah. yeah. But I think going yeah. back to what, what Emily was saying um, before, was it? Emily was saying it? somebody was saying it. Um, <laughs> the whole, the, 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 I'm, I'm having sex with underage girls and stuff. Yep. I think, yep. I think that plays in 1985, and I think that's like yes. a yes. solid joke area. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever it's worth. Yeah. It's like that's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, that's a great joke. And then you get to the 90s, and you're like, it just makes you start going like, well, maybe you could do a different thing. Like, yeah, maybe like now that joke that joke area is tired, and now you need to move into something else. I, I also think like in the 90s they started. Uh other people started doing what they were doing yes, a little bit. Yes. Like that's when you started getting like, you, you know, the Keenan Ivory Wayans movies and stuff like that, yeah. which were just be- becoming bigger hits than their movies. And then nine 11 happened and broke David Zucker's brain. Yeah. Uh, and to Phil turn to a- conservative brain. Yeah. Abram's yeah. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's really crazy that it happened to both yeah, of them. It did happen These to both people who traffic so much and like well-constructed, race humor you know it is it is interesting too this movie is also happening right around the time um that they were leaving their contract with paramount so there was like this moment i guess so this movie was supposed to come out in july of 91 but it was pushed back without a reschedule date because there was this 
potential departure of the Zuckers from Paramount. Um, and then they, 91, they prepare to release this film under the title Lame Ducks, which, as we've all discussed, better title than Brain Donors, at least a little bit more it, on point. It also um, makes more sense for the claymation because correct. ducks are so heavily used in the claymation of this movie. And nowhere in the live action stuff do you see a goddamn duck. I, I will say, when, first of all, <laughs> yes. first of all, there's five, or there's four minutes. It's a 79 minute movie. There's four minutes of opening credits, which you just want to die the whole time. And then there's it's a all solid, in claymation. It's all in claymation. All in claymation. And yes. then the end is another at least one minute of claymation, which at again, least. you're like, this is how the movie ends. But I will say, when I saw it, Mm-hmm. I immediately thought, oh, they got the people that did the California race. That's what I thought too. That yes. fucking brilliant. And then I was like, how did I not know about this movie? Like, <laughs> if someone would have said there's four minutes of California raisin style animation at the beginning, I would be like, I'm going to that movie. 100%. I did, yeah. I did like a, a deep dive on Will Vinton, who is the, his studio did produce this and the California Raisins. I did a deep dive on him like last year and this movie didn't come up. I think Will Vinton Sorry. successfully was like, <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. Someone snuck in our studios and they made it and we still don't know. Well, you know what I think is crazy about this claymation stuff is that, so I, just rewatched A Life Less Ordinary, a movie that maybe no one has seen as well, the Danny Boyle movie with Ewan McGregor and uh, Cameron Diaz. Anyway, uh, it's not a good movie. I don't, I don't recommend watching it, but it ends with a claymation sequence because they, quote unquote, forgot to shoot scenes to resolve some of the movie. And the studio was like, do you want money to go shoot this? And he was like, no, 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 we'll just do it in claymation instead. <laughs> And- Famously, the cheapest way to do anything is playmation. <laughs> by, yeah. by the way, oh. yeah. Do you want to spend How a weekend we have- shooting this, or do you want to spend the rest of your life doing playmation? Yeah. yeah. We, but but we have like was, five years from the delivery date correct <laughs> <laughs> but as i was watching it i was just like shocked that within the last like two weeks i've seen two fucking claymation sequences i haven't seen claymation since the 90s claymation I mean, was just... fucking claymation was fucking hot from like 1984 to 1996 and then everyone decided they were done with it because well, it looks kind of gross. There's something kind of it's not like stop motion, which which has a cleaner feel to it. When you're watching this, you feel like you're you can see all the hands touching it and all the thumbs. Like it just feels like it's too it's almost too tactile, if that makes any sense. I only want to watch films that look like they've been touched, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I just want characters that have been manhandled. Yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah, I, mean, I mean, there is something to what you're saying, Phil, that like it makes it look cheaper. Yeah. Because you can see the the work behind it in a way. It's yeah. weird. It's it's very strange. But like what you said, Hunter, is exactly what went through my brain the second I hit play. I was like, California races. Like literally that was the thing that immediately registered in my brain. So it had like this nostalgia effect on me. I just still didn't enjoy it, just to be clear. Um, but it did give me kind of a, a moment of like, oh, I, I used to really love it. I think I had like a plastic California raisin. Like I used to really like the California raisins. I think this actually, you know, go back to something I said earlier about yeah. how I could have fixed this movie if they sure. if they would have only called me. Um, <laughs> how old were you in 9200? Um, I would have been 15. So I think I could have done it. You could have um, done yeah. it, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, but... Um, 
you would have done a better job. Strangely, and this is I'm not this isn't a bit and this isn't joking, but we spent four minutes watching this claymation crew hang out and do antics and whatever bullshit. Then the movie starts and it's like they don't know each other. And you're like, but yeah. wait, yeah. but we just watched a thing where they it's it's a weird thing to do to I somebody totally who's it, only trying to enjoy your story. It it is <laughs> I mean, it is insane that they don't know each other. I mean, like, truly, as somebody who owns the DVD, they're on the cover. Yeah, uh, the, true, the, true. the the yeah, the home screen is yeah, the, yeah. the three of them. You're like, yeah. and then, like, you see, like, them hanging out. And it's, like, inspired by the Marx Brothers or, like, mm-hmm. based on this shit. Yeah. Then when you watch it, yeah, it's fucking insane that they don't know each other. Well, it's insane that they don't know each other, and then but how, the Marx how, Brothers how, never knew each other in those movies. They're always dis- that, yeah. they're always discovering each other yeah. throughout it. That's why, like, yeah, like Chico has like the accent, and Harpo is usually just somebody who works for the billionaire. Like they are yeah. ripping it off, but at the same time, again, the '90s aren't the '30s. You don't have to do that shit anymore. These people could all be related. It doesn't matter. We we did twins. We have proven that any two people can be related. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think this is a bigger movie gripe that I have, and this is going to sound so stupid, but like when I sat down to watch the A-Team movie and they weren't the A-Team yet, I was oh. like, fuck, God damn it. Like, there goes a half hour of my time watching them <laughs> watching them are they going to become the a team it's like i fucking hope they do that's the whole thing yeah and it's like it's like how every reboot of a superhero movie, yeah. movie yeah. you have to like yeah. start over he's got to get bitten by the no, spider I, and you're like oh. i agree with that i i mean they do become friends pretty quickly for what it's worth since this movie doesn't obviously waste a lot of time but it is time we just didn't need to spend but emily you look like you had something to say. I, I think i think that the core issue of this film and I'm going to say, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a fun movie. I had it a is. good time. I had a good time watching this movie. But I think the core issue is you kind of, obviously in the Marx Brothers movies, they are encountering each other, but they're such a well-honed comedy team. Sure. And famously, they all know each other. They're all related. You know, they're all off screen. So like you have that that common language to lean on. We don't have that here. I kind of feel like you can't cast the Marx Brothers. Like you almost have to like not try to like famously the Farrelly's tried to make this fucking Three Stooges movie for oh, years and years yeah, and years. Yeah. And they cast so many different stars in those parts. And like the problem is you can't cast the Three Stooges because that kind of chemistry has to come from three people working together so long that they know each other's ins and outs and i think a similar thing happened here in, in terms of like trying to create recreate the marx brothers um but yeah good movie great time probably yeah. might put it might put it above few good men on my year endless film God damn it <laughs> I, by the way i just want to say i've never agreed with a person more than right you. now you nailed it that is the that is but it the is problem. the problem it is. I they mean, I, just, I do feel they don't have the familial chemistry of a vaudeville like no. uh, tightened act. Like, man, I, it, this it, has it, changed it, how I view this movie now. No, I, I think <laughs> this is like this is so um, well articulated and so spot on because it's. I, I feel like I've been hard on on John Turturro, but yeah. I do think he his performance is great. 
but I don't think he's right for the role, which is a weird, <laughs> Yeah, it's like a weird yes. place to be in of like, listen, you fucking knock it out of the park. We need somebody else in here. Like it, it's such a weird headspace. Well, it's also, you know, it is interesting because the two other guys, I don't know. I, I have not seen them in anything else. So forgive me. Maybe they are big. Did they well, do I things? read a little bit about that one guy. The, the which, one guy. which guy? That's the, the guy. Good the, no, Just, the inventor. He oh, was the like, silent he one. Was, he was like uh, Rodney Dangerfield's opening act for eight years. Yeah. Oh, okay. He seems okay. like he's like a comedian's comedian kind of guy. And he was on the uh, rise. There was like a moment. It, it felt like maybe yeah. he should be something. Yeah, he did a, I think he did a special after this. Sean will know more than me. He did a young comedian special and then like kind of, then he was Rodney Dangerfield's opener. Okay. Got this. And he was like, Truly white hot, and the only and when he showed up in the movie, my jaw dropped because when I first started doing stand up, I saw him uh, do like a show at the worst hotel in New Jersey, and it it never it kind of all clicked for me that you could be the star of a Hollywood movie and then just perform at a shitty hotel with like my friend Gordon opening for you. Like, this is this is really the last moment when just kind of like I'm not trying to insult these guys, just kind of like gross looking dudes could like become <laughs> like like dead like Hollywood was like maybe yes. you're gonna be a star because yes. like Friends comes in '94 and Friends yeah. sort of creates this idea that comedians should also be super hot yeah. and like obviously like fucking Adam Sandler's not the most attractive person ever, but like he's more attractive than these guys. And like it's there's so there is something about there is this period when Hollywood's like, you know what? If a guy looks like he might sell you insurance, he could be a comedy star like that. And we're we're just exiting that as this movie. So I'm I just looked up these these two guys. Forgive me. Um, just for what it's worth. Bob Nelson is uh is the uh he is the this the inventor one, correct? He's the silent one. Yeah, he, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yes, Okay. Job. Um yeah. so he he literally does this movie and then drops off the face of the earth it seems because there's like no credits for him after this film. Mel Smith is the other guy. Um and he has a lot of credits like um performing. Maybe these are just stand up. These are mostly like comic relief various Well, he's uh, I think he, I think he's a uh, he was he was he's dead, but he was an insanely yeah. famous British comedian. Yeah. That makes sense. He's could- funny. The, yeah, I don't. I don't. The, the Bob Nelson guy, the, the character he plays, and forgive me, his character's name is um, Jock. Jock, Jock, really of course. Great. Jock has some good bits, some good visual bits that I actually liked. But I, I mean, again, not to not to belabor the point, but to agree with Emily that like the, the lack of cohesion between these three guys really creates sort of this three kind of headed monster that doesn't completely you know, work. I think that John Turturro is the most accomplished and the most sort of, I mean, he's, he's the lead of the movie. So like he's given the most to do and the other guys are sort of like his two sidekicks. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that like they differentiate the characters enough of the other two guys either. If that makes sense. Well, well I think well, this is coming off what, sorry, coming off what Emily is saying. Yeah. I think this was, we are still in an era where it's like, Oh, you've got three. They could just be three. <laughs> schlubby white dudes like that sounds like the best most ideal comedy team yes i mean like bob nelson is essentially silent he is doing like they give him almost no lines and he's mostly doing prop work 
Yeah. But like Mel, uh, Mel Smith and John Turturro are just exchanging one-liners and doing two li- or little couplets, like yeah. exclusively in the same comedic voice, except one is British. And it, I do think, yeah, I do think this is like was supposed to be his like crossover to America, like his like Tracy Ullman moment, and uh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But I would also <laughs> say too that that so uh, Roland interacts with more people like actually interacts with the plot and is actually like driving the story and the other two guys are just kind of there if the um, end of this movie was that Jacques and Rocco were ghosts that only Roland could see it would totally work I mean that is like that, that fixes it fixes everything yeah yeah God damn it you fixed the whole thing I'll also, say, I'll also say this the funniest person in the movie is Eddie Griffin, and yeah, he gets one line. Seconds. Like I'm well, like, well, just make him one of the fucking make him the cab driver. What the yeah, fuck is wrong? Yeah, I, I don't, with I don't know how that. There's a lot of so you, uh, Sean. You mentioned that that Jacques does a lot of prop work, and he does. But I, I have to admit that I did think that <laughs> the computer bit was kind of funny, where he just like builds a computer out of a suitcase, basically. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it, funny. it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but I laugh. Both times I've seen this movie, when he smashes his alarm clock with right. a mallet, yeah. then takes out a new and uh, unboxes another alarm clock. I love that. It's so dumb. It is so time consuming, and that's basically what I want out of comedy. I want to feel annoyed. I don't. Wa- I don't. I don't want this to turn just into reciting everyone's favorite bits from the famous movie Brain Donors, <laughs> where everyone like remembers their favorite joke. Like, obviously, we can do some of that, but oh I mean, the computer bit. The computer bit is funny, but then, like, I don't get the blow up doll. I don't know why there's a blow up doll because it's that from, was it's a- from the eighties. It's yeah. like oh, the secretary's on his lap, and Bill, Bill as That's a woman, comedy. I can tell you, I can tell you, we are sexual objects, and that is why there's a blow up doll. <laughs> That's right. Like, it was That's right. Just ridiculous. Anyway, like, I, I think, but like, there is something. Yes, I just keep trying to tie it back to things that Emily please, please, said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I there hope is... you're going to say that women are sexual objects. <laughs> Thank you. Women are sexual objects. That's what he, yeah, that's what he's going to tie it back. That's, to what, that's what she said literally like 45 seconds ago. It's true. No, um, no, but I think that like there's something, and I don't even know if you were thinking about it in these terms, Emily, but it's like the family guy cut away to something that's just beaten into the ground that's no longer funny and then becomes funny. That's the computer desk bit where you're like, oh, okay, that's funny. Oh, now it's still going. Oh, I guess it's a little funnier now. Like it's like yeah. a <laughs> yeah. It's it's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's really interesting though because I think that is true that like that's become animation's thing because nobody wants to shoot two minutes of live action somebody doing something stupid. That's what gets cut first. <laughs> I mean, it is. I don't know. There's a lot of physical stuff in this that does work for me. Uh, Roland putting. Um, Tony's mother in a headlock in a sleeper hold during the press conference (laughs) made me laugh I don't it's dumb I don't know why it's funny but like there's something about how random a lot of the stuff is in this movie that is inherently funny if for no other reason than because it just feels so non sequitur to everything else that's going on Um, you know I thought that the mugshot sequence it's dumb but it's funny it's funny. I mean, that that is, I think, the essence of, I think, again, the Animaniacs did it better. 
But <laughs> that's all that's all I want out of this movie are those like little fun like bits that don't make any sense. Like sure. non sequitur is the beauty of this movie. Like But I do I do think what you're saying, Hunter, about the the non sequitur has has been sort of taken by your family guys and what have you so it's cut away to said thing you know and 30 rock did it as well obviously like a lot of that just sort of like cut away to a thing and whatever so the non sequitur i guess what i'm saying is this stuff feels genuinely out of nowhere with no connection to anything that's going on whereas the cutaway joke does have some relevance to what's going on if that makes sense or is in character yes 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 like when peter griffin and the chicken and everything you're like yes that's what peter that there's a sure. that's a peter griffin thing yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like i i do think that when they get to the ballet um the ballet stuff i mean again i, I don't mean to ask stupid questions but like it, it's ballet just because it's silly like because so other than the other than that, there doesn't seem I, to be any rhyme or reason for it. I, I, I always totally pictured it as yeah, I think it's because it's silly, but then also because it's like you know, something I that guess. you have to wear a like, yeah, like a tuxedo to go see or something like that. Sure. Like it does uh, it does have like a bit of snobbery to it that's it's like it's like legit ballet too, which yeah. is what I, I kind of the th- like this movie had way more ballet than I was expecting. <laughs> like you could put this on a double bill with the Altman film, the company and be like two films about yeah. ballet. Um, like, I did actually do that. <laughs> Center stage and brain yeah. donors. Yes. I mean, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I think it is a bit of like, well, it's class and it's this and it's that. But then when you get there, you're just like, "Ah, it's just not that. And I just, you know, obviously this whole movie is about conceits and just buying into the conceits and everything. But there's just a point where you're like, why is everybody still doing the show? This is fucking like, this is, it's gotten to the point as we're talking about, there's so much of it. I mean, I I didn't check the time, but it's a third of the movie at least it's, it's 20 minutes at least yeah and you're yeah, like yeah. this is madness that everyone's just the, yeah. the like valare or whatever the fuck his name is sure. he's just like i'm still going out there yeah and you're like okay this <laughs> seems seems out of character for you but okay you're still gonna save it and the actor playing him was like a big time ballet guy who was like wanted to like do I guess prop comedy because like he gets a lot of it. Like I, I mean, honestly, honestly, if I'm a fucking dancer, prop comedy is what I was like my logical next step because yeah. it's like yeah. a lot of it's physical, a lot of it's timing based. It yeah. seems like a natural like thing to do. Oh, absolutely, the repetition. Like you, you would be able to nail and like the, I do think ballet also tra- uh, translates well to uh comedy like performing comedy i mean like i think uh there's a ballet quality to like what john mulaney does uh on stage like, are you are you inching towards saying that you think that carrot top could be great at ballet i think i think carrot top could <laughs> be I'm a, in. I'm a fucking, primo ballerino the I'm, fucking, I'm, you know yes i'm gonna i'm gonna double down on this with you for a second shot and say that there is a rhythm to comedy um, and I do think there's perhaps some symbiosis there, perhaps. I do think that, like, 
you know, I, when Roland is doing the sports commentary over the ballet, I thought that that was funny when he, you know, that the basketball dunk at the end, again, don't quite know why it's happening. Like it's, it's funny, <laughs> but it, it's just so you're ultimately my feeling. It was just discombobulated. I think that, but I think why you think that works you're fucking stupid phil no i think no but i think why that feels like it works is because that is like that is like three lower class dudes infiltrating a high class thing and doing like fucking low class sports man we're into fucking sports not ballet so there is sort of like a thing that makes sense to it yes Yes. versus everything else feeling like this is just the most random shit that sort of is a commentary ish type thing well, the thing yeah. that I think, yes, yeah, so I think that uh, I, I also think the guy who played Jock Bob Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, he would do a lot of sports things. He used to wear sure. uh, shoulder pads. I think that is also why he is, is he built the, the way he bit. is. Yeah, yeah, that's like from his act, and I think he did a lot of football commentating things. And he was like, mm-hmm. they're like, you got to get your bits in, like this is yeah, your you shot. Get him in while you can. This movie's only seventy nine minutes. You better get him in. They should have made a ballet movie with Dorf. Like, that would have been great. Oh, fuck. Yeah. The Dorf movies. Oh, fuck. Just, uh, like, watching, seeing those commercials as a kid and being like, this dude wait, did what's, it. What's he Dorf? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I know Dorf. Oh, oh, did, oh, you guys not get Dorf I'm in Canada? I'm looking Dorf right now. Oh, first of all, not... Dorf commercials were on in the yeah. same way. It, Dorf commercials in the 80s, 90s? Yeah. Just yeah. 90s? Were the, were the same... We're on on the same <laughs> level as Girls Gone Wild in the early 2000s. Yeah. This, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm only looking at pictures of Dorf and I'm laughing. I'm telling yeah. you, it's, <laughs> it's fucking, it's, it, I'm telling you, it's goddamn, uh, it's brilliant. It's Tim Conway on his knees pretending to be short. It's the stupidest shit ever and it's hilarious. Tim Conway's hilarious. Anyway. Um, Tim so Conway is- should have been in this. He would have been great. I yes, mean, sure. he would have been great. There, there's a there's a chunk of this film that we have not unpacked yet, which I think is worth unpacking. Um, and that is the, I guess it's the portion of the film that takes place in the the mansion, um, with the with the woman, the like hot girl. Who, oh my god! Oh, the that sex fucking... worker. Yeah. Again, that's yeah. a third of a movie. The that's movie. the third. That is a third of the movie of them. So he he. Roland goes into the bedroom. She's on the bed. She wants to have sex with them for reasons that I still don't completely understand. She, um, he, he's being set up. He's right. being set up by the rich guy because okay. uh, Tony Soprano's mom thinks that they're going he's to end up shit. together. Yes, okay. Fair. Yeah. I'm so, just, I'm just going to say John Turturro right. can get it. I, I would get it. I would, I would go after uh, yeah, John. Yeah, sure. I mean, out uh, of you those know, three, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> He is the hot one of the he three. Is the hot one. Yeah, we so, will create a movie where John Turturro is the hot one, <laughs> and then we'll walk away. So he walks into this, <laughs> walks into this bedroom. He sees this hot woman uh, who has a very sort of Anna Nicole Smith vibe. I felt like, I mean, yeah. it, uh, uh, baby, in terms of baby like voice, yeah. baby voice, like '90s stereotype of like hot Playboy model. Pam type Anderson. Thing. Yes, yes, yes. So it kind of falls into that thing. She's throwing herself at him, and then they proceed. And by they, I mean the two other guys proceed to tie her up and knock her unconscious and drag her all all around this mansion. Um, and 
I, I, to what end? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, right. They frame the, the rich guy. They tie her up and they make it look like the rich guy was having sex with her. Right. That's what happens. Yes, right. But that was yes. all just sort of fell into their hands. <laughs> right. It wasn't planned. There wasn't. Yeah. A, none of this was planned. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they didn't even have a script. Do you like your protagonist to have some sort of plan? Tough shit. These guys are winging it. But then that leads to them in the hospital, which is adjacent to the title. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Right? Where there, where there's like... Am I crazy? No, no, you're, you're right. right. I, that is definitely I mean, why they think could, they could get away with brain donors as the you title. You can definitely do a thing with the brain in a hospital. Like that happens every day. <laughs> so they knock the rich I was guy. Why Emily was here, and now I know. <laughs> Just to confirm, she's the doctor. Um, I am a journalist, so I know these things. <laughs> so we so we go to the hospital because they knock the 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 the. Uh, rich woman's number two unconscious and then he goes to the hospital and then they want to make sure that he doesn't rat them out so they basically like do all this weird shit to him and I, I, I didn't really understand like how we got to the hospital Sean do you remember um <laughs> no I don't he's remember unconscious. well because he's unconscious yeah. and I know that gets them there it's it's the more about I just remember they do a bit with x-rays and they pretend they put on lab coats and they pretend to be doctors. And I'm just trying to remember to what end. Yeah. So I, three hearts beats a pair of kidneys. There's like a bunch of jokes like that. Yeah, they do like, they do yeah. like uh poker jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want to get to Olivia Soprano because the way to plead their case is to just annoy her even more like that that's like that is their plan they're just gonna annoy everyone to, into submission this is how i got my wife emily so careful <laughs> no listen you can annoy people into submission it's possible. my my emotional journey with this film was like there are a lot of jokes at the expense of women in this and i'm not sure how i feel about that and then just gradually being worn down by it till <laughs> i was like god is cruel the universe is meaningless brain donors is good like I just, I just got there. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I think hmm. I could not remember what had happened because yep. I got massively distracted finding out that the woman who played the sex worker was recently on an episode of Dr. Phil, where oh. she sought uh, help for her adult daughter, Ashley. What was the daughter's <laughs> issue exactly? Whoa. Uh, I, I, let's not get we, into we it. We should talk but, about it. Yeah. Okay. But like, 
Also, Doctor Phil retiring. Yeah. She like slid yeah. in there. She right when the I wire. when I saw that she was on Doctor Phil, it broke my brain. And then I also found her profile on something called Christian Hollywood Biz. I mean, that all tracks. I mean, I feel like if you have a profile on Christian Hollywood Biz, more likely than not, you've been on an episode of Doctor Phil. We could all agree about and that. Brain, and you're probably in brain donors. And you're yeah. not. And you're not in the biz. Yeah, as they yeah. Say. that is the only biz you are in is uh, Christian Hollywood Dobbins. Dobbins. I spent yeah. I spent a lot of time researching George De La Pena, the mm. ballet dancer in this. He made a movie called The Dust Factory in 2004 that is about the afterlife and appears to have been Armin Mueller Stahl's like big like attempt at being like a star, um, which uh, hey. yeah. Uh, has Sounds a 9% great. on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, starred a young Hayden Panettiere, and is like about that when you die, you wander around somewhere and it's called the Dust Factory or something. I'm going to watch it. it. You should watch it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, the, so it should be said, this movie actually had a much higher score than I thought it was going to have. 45 in comparison to, uh, we did do cool, cool World and that had four. That is the lowest score I think I've registered in all of the episodes that that we've done. Uh, it is, this is 45. This is, people liked this movie enough. I'm just saying. That's I have noticed that when I uh, tweeted I was going to be on this, I got mm-hmm. a lot of responses. Of, of So many people have childhood memories of this yeah. movie and how much they love it. But seemingly 100% of those people with these positive childhood memories about this movie are terrified to watch it today. As they should they, uh, Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that that's wise. I, you know, I also just want to say, and I meant to say this up top, I had never seen this film. I didn't know that this film existed. But when I hit play on this movie and I saw one of the scenes, I had like this regressed memory of it being a trailer in front of some like a VHS trailer for this film in front of some other Paramount movie that I must have watched a million times. So I had jokes and moments from this burned in my brain weirdly but i couldn't tell you what that movie was that i've watched so many times that had this you can sue them i I like that you had a fucking ptsd reaction to seeing this movie i mean i did i was just like wait a second that there's a joke that john totoro has um when he's at like a, a car crash accident or a car accident and i was just like wait a second i know that joke why do i know that joke and then I was just like, I must, this wow. must be from a, it was, it was weird. Um, it also just should be said, uh, so this movie eventually opens in theaters nine months after the original release schedule for this film, April 17th, 92, um, kind of dumped. A lot of people thought that it was dumped. Um, the film was not screened for critics. It was given minimal publicity and it only opened in 523 theaters. Um, so, you know, you're, you're never going to make your money back that way. That's, you know, I think they probably just knew that they had a a, a stinker on their hands. What are you going to do? Um, so I do want to rate this because can I'm... I, yes, please. Can I, can I break in and just say one thing? Absolutely, please. So when I realized I was in good hands with brain donors, the Dennis the Dugan... Of, of Hunter and, Dennis, and John? Or? Dennis Dugan's 1992 film, Brain Donors. Okay. <laughs> have have in actually I know Phil has because I think we've talked about this before, but have any of y'all played 
um, point-and-click adventure games from the 90s, like Secret of Monkey Island, Mm -hmm. you know, King's Quest, Space Quest, that sort of thing. When Bob Nelson comes on screen and he's just pulling shit out of his pockets and he's like, there's this zany kind of synth score playing. I was like, I'm in a LucasArts graphic adventure game. Uh, I expected him. I expected him to like pick up a handkerchief and try to put it on a bear and then like look at camera and say in like a MIDI voice, I don't know what to do with that. I'm like it, it just, I just felt so at home because I spent all of my time playing those games. I felt so at home watching this movie. Because I felt like I was in a graphic. I mean, adventure. that bit was on for a long time. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where I was thinking about the actual, like, sh- because it goes on for so long that at a certain point, you just start thinking about, like, how it was shot. Because <laughs> you're just, like, you've you've been dulled to the humor of it. Because, like, it's not going to make you laugh anymore. So you're just like, how is this actually executed? And it there's so, the, the way that the police officer behind, so basically she's, she, he, Bob Nelson, is emptying his pockets for a police officer. They're about to be uh, put in jail. So he's dumping all these things out of his pockets. Um, and the cop has clearly been told, don't worry. Like, you're not going to know what's happening. Just pretend as though it's all crazy. Because like, it's all just shtick. And it goes on for so long that at a certain point, the cop looks like he's just been beaten down by this whole process, too. Yeah. Where he's just like, he fuck, how much longer is this going yeah. for? I, I do love that about this movie, is that the other characters genuinely seem pissed off at these people. <laughs> like, the entire movie. <laughs> like, they are not charmed at all. No. They're like, this sucks. This is my <laughs> life right now. I'm glad I can pay rent, but this blows. Like... Oh my god! I also, but when, but Phil, when he's emptying his pockets, all I can think is, what did they cut from this? Yeah, right, right. Because this isn't even all of it. Like, it's not even close. It's like, oh my god! He at one point he gives him his his leg, I think, right? And yeah, then he like falls yeah, over. Yeah, then he falls but, over, which yeah. I yeah. I laughed at both times. Great bet. I just like it's something about the fact I mean we're complaining about like logic in this movie and also the fact that the story kind of just doesn't do anything you know it just kind of just sits there but like because I was viewing it through the prism of like one of those fucking games where like everything is random and like has the structure of a weird comedic uh, rambling session because they had to account for the fact that no one was going to play the game the same way. So they kind of just had to do a bunch of random shit. I don't know. I just, it, 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 I think it just put me in the right frame of mind. I just, you know, it was the first time I remembered 1992 and felt happy about my childhood. So you know, there we go. I, I do think I did. I mean, listen, I did some research on this, and and it, this has a cult following, Sean. Like, it's not as though this movie is not that there isn't a corner of the world that doesn't agree with you and Emily and says like, you know, put brain donors in the Criterion Collection or whatever. Like, I it was think on movie. It was on movie for a while. It was. It was. By the way, Phil, it's so short. They could put it on another Criterion release. They could just slide yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, who gives a shit? Yeah. It's a what hidden be, track. What would be the best Criterion movie to have brain donors as a special feature? I mean, I a Cronenberg movie. No, I was going to pitch like it's like Duck Soup or something. And you're like, here's here's the way they did it. It was great. Yeah. And here's some fucking idiots <laughs> trying to yeah. do it. Yeah. I... years later. 
That's actually I, uh, a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, like a little special feature. Here's the shittiest version of this. <laughs> you saw the great version. Now <laughs> yeah. shut up and watch this. I mean, but it is interesting. There is, you know, there. I and I've said this to you, Emily. I think, and I've certainly said this on Twitter. So forgive me, but like I do feel, and I don't mean to put this movie into that box, but we are at this weird juncture where like movies no, there are no bad movies anymore right like there's always someone on the internet that is going to find uh you know a, an apple box and a megaphone on twitter to scream about a movie that they think is brilliant because everybody else hates it it's just contrarian nonsense right it's and i don't mean to suggest that babylon falls into this a little bit I, I, but, uh, yeah yeah i do think i don't think it's contrarian nonsense i think it's just like you know, sometimes uh, a movie means something else to someone uh, that okay. like, okay. I genuinely, maybe when I saw Babylon, I was at a point in my life where I really wanted to watch Hollywood burn and quit everything that I've been doing in my That's life fair. I get that. because I feel like there's no need for me to ever create another thing again. And like, no one will ever remember me. And that is all Babylon is about. So it like oh, hit sure. me at the right time. Like where I'm like, I need something so fucking mean spirited and cynical right now. And it's also can funny. I, but can I just, and, and I, listen, we're not going to turn this into, to, yeah. uh, into an episode. That was Babylon. been Sean's Babylon. That minute. was Sean's Babylon. <laughs> minute. Uh, and I know that Hunter has not seen Babylon. So I don't want to turn this into a whole Babylon thing, but I'll just say this, that I do think, uh, I, I hear that opinion. Uh, I understand the people, that, <laughs> the people that like Babylon. Um, I get it. Uh, I think that I don't think its message is clear. Let's just put it that way. I think it's, it's I think it's kind of all over the place. And your reading of it is not wrong necessarily. Yeah. But yeah. You could also read the last five minutes of it as a love letter to Hollywood. And you're like, I then fuck off. Like, I don't no, know what you I don't know what you want. I don't think I don't think you. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Yeah, I I, I agree. I'm I'm putting right. so I'm putting right. fucking sixty it's, seconds yeah. on the fucking Emily's clock. Putting on her timer, guys. Yeah, yeah please, Emily, go. Emily. I okay. So this is Emily's Babylon minute. Phil, you're wrong. The thing about this movie is that it is it is yes, it's full of depravity. It's full of darkness. It's full of sickness. But in the first half of it, it's presented as like just kind of freeing and, and really a great way for people to embody themselves. And then gradually money enters the picture and it saps all the fun out of it and it turns it into something dark and dreary. And yet the contradiction of all of this is that yes, horrible things are happening. People are being exploited. People are being hurt. People are being destroyed. People are being abused and manipulated and sometimes even murdered. And yet they make great art. They make art that lives with us forever. They are forever preserved in this sort of state of Amber. And the movie is about the contradiction between those two things to the degree that the film is split right down the middle as sound enters the picture. And we see those two things like sort of happen and pull at each other. It is the thing about how everything that you love is made by people who were destroyed by it. And that's true of all industries. This has been Emily's Babylon Minute. Well, is I yeah. this in the movie, or is this just? Yeah. Well, here's yeah. You know, so I get my thirty second retort, and then we'll be done with Babylon. But I'll just say this to answer we'll your question, Hunter. <laughs> to, answer, to answer your question, Hunter, I don't think that Emily's reading is wrong, nor do I think that Sean's reading is wrong. Right? I don't think that that you can read a film like this incorrectly because it's 
a fucking weird litmus test. It's like a Rorschach painting. It's like a three hour weird thing of like this guy who was given a blank check, who made this like beloved Hollywood movie in the sense of La La Land in terms of this like love letter to Hollywood. And then he was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to make some like, you know, Caligula thing with like lots of horse shit and or elephant Your 30 shit. seconds are up whatever <laughs> it's just hard to, it's hard to take the movie seriously that's all i'm getting but, at. That's, that's, yeah. that's my point but i think but for, go ahead. Oh, sorry no, no go please, ahead. please 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 i was please. gonna i was gonna not talk about babylon yeah you shouldn't uh, let's, let's do it yeah do brain donors yeah. yes please. yeah let's bra- yeah. back to brain donors we'll <laughs> offline babylon well no i i think that like what sean was saying yes. and i think about uh mindset and your frame of mind and blah 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 i think first of all i woke up angry today um and then before i got to the watching the movie i got angrier so that didn't help anything but um i'm sorry enter (laughs) (laughs) no but i think one of the problems with um comedic movies today and maybe shows a little bit is i think one's viewing of comedy is always enhanced by being with other people and you know just speaking from i was in college during the heyday of friends and the amount of friends you know co-viewing parties not that we would have ever called it that but like comedy is such a shared experience and i think had i watched brain donors with any of you guys i would have enjoyed it way more and i would have Emily would have been laughing and I sort of would have been like, why the fuck is she laughing? But then I would have like been like, oh, it is kind of funny. Like, you just like yes. free yourself yes. to think it's funny. And so I think it is it is tricky. And also, not to mention, if I was high, I think I could have really enjoyed this movie. This movie is oh, I should snap. say yeah. I was high. I was high both uh, times I've seen this there movie. There uh, it is. Yeah, I ate but a I think, 10 milligram but... edible and loved it. But I will say this, that I I don't mean to denigrate it by saying I think sometimes being high and watching a comedy just unlocks you to be open to the possibilities of comedy. Like, I don't think it's like I'm not speaking like, oh, you were so fucking dumb when you watched this that you thought it was funny. It's like I think it just like it can remove some of the like safeguards that you've created in your mind of like, I'm not going to think this is funny or or whatever. So. Yeah. I so there's two things that, that that came to mind as as you were speaking. The first is, you know, in the current theatrical experience that we have right now, the the climate of movies, it does feel like comedies seem to be the thing that seem to be matriculating back to home viewing. Um, that that studios are are less and less comfortable putting a lot of money into a comedy, um, and because I guess people. I wrongly believe that like, well, I can watch a comedy at home and it's, it's fine. But I think that's right. right. Where I I think that's actually completely incorrect based on what you're saying. Right. When you are in a, in a theater filled with people and a movie is fucking killing it and everyone's laughing, it's infectious. And I think that that just adds to the experience. I'm not suggesting necessarily that if brain donors screened that that would necessarily be the case, but I do think that that happened. I think about, you know, um, Bros, for instance, a movie I went to see opening weekend in a packed theater. Um, I imagine mostly with gay people, which is fine. And it was it killed. It did really well. Everyone was having a great time and it was really funny. And then to see that movie just crater at the box office just makes me think of 
what I was saying, like that comedies aren't getting people to the theater because there's this misconception that because it's small, as you said, Hunter, it's okay to watch at home. You know, we emailed a little bit about you people very briefly um a movie that that's on netflix right now which got terrible reviews from critics and people don't seem to like it i put it on and i laughed for what that's worth but i do sean how dare you uh i'm not writing for you people i'm speaking to the fact that like if that film had been in theaters i just think the experience would have been more pleasurable for people i think that like a comedy when it's working if it's working in a room of people is going to be funnier. Listen, all I will say is with when it comes to you people, oh, no. uh, I will never publicly comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> then read into that all, all you want. I, I will say nothing publicly Fair enough. about Fair enough. how I feel about that movie. Okay. Hey, hey, Phil. Yeah, can we have Damien Chazelle on and make him talk about brain donors? So you can also say to him, "Enough about Babylon. Let's get back to brain donors." Because I'm still. Uh, I think Damien Chazelle is going to be unemployed for a little while, so he might have uh, some uh, some free time on his hands. (laughs) I'm going to give him money to make a movie about. Oh my god, gonna be great. Damien Damien Chazelle's Kickstarter. Let's do it. I don't. I mean, listen. I. I don't. Nothing. No ill will to Damien Chazelle as a human being. I think that I'm sure he's whatever. And and listen. I hope he, he's going to make movies. It's not like his career is fucking over. He did lose a hundred million dollars of Paramount's money on a blank check of I don't know whatever proportions. I, th- I do think Babylon's going to be a grower, not a shower. Yeah, and I think it is. It mm-hmm. is only going to stand the test of time. Can I just? Uh, I can't wait for your quote on the Criterion box that says, I think Babylon's going to be a show. Not a show. Really? I mean, Sean O'Connor was right. He was right. He was right all along. He was right about brain donors and he was right about Babylon. I feel like if there's one thing that brain donors proves is that you can annoy the world into giving you what you want. And that is what the Babylon fandom will do. There's no question that the Babylon <laughs> fandom is, uh, yeah, they're powerful, I guess. I don't know. Oh, they, yeah, we're propping you know. up a mouth. We're, we've yeah. lost it. There, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to fight about it all the time. Is there any controversy about the cut? Could he eventually come out with his own cut of the movie? Oh, yeah. He's already said that there's like a four-hour cut of it. So oh, I'm sure here we go. Let's go. Sure, I'm sure the, the, release the, cut. release the Chazelle cut will be trending momentarily but i mean listen. i'm finally on board i'm on, i'm on board with online mobs if that happens oh my yeah. god like, <laughs> oh my god let's solve the real problems of the world yeah, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> here's a question though there's apparently a, a longer cut of this movie of brain donors you're let's kidding it was, the screenplay that. wasn't just 79 pages it's hard to believe <laughs> it really is hard to believe to be honest i mean but my, I guess my question to you, Sean, is how how much do you believe in Twitter mobs, and do you believe in release the Dugan cut of uh, of brain donors? I I think less is more when it comes to brain donors. <laughs> like I like it. I remember. I mean, I definitely grew up at a time where there was a lot of like unrated DVDs yeah, yeah, of yeah. like you know sure. your teen sex comedies, and yeah. you'd watch them for the unrated scenes they yeah. put back in they all sucked they're all so bad yeah they're all bad they're, you're like, just like they're... cut that like <laughs> but yeah they're cut for a reason like yeah. listen this is the best version of brain donors we were gonna get well it's you know it's funny you say that because like there's and the other thing that emily and i are 
discovering as we go through these 92 films is uh, adult movies, not pornography, but movies made for adults, your adult sex thrillers, you know, Basic Instinct, the third highest grossing film of 1992. Uh, I mean, just a gargantuan success. You've got like Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Single White Female, you know, you've got all these kind of movies and they all kind of had to your point, the unrated video release of all of these with like you know i guess a i mean truly not even probably a minute maybe two minutes of footage that was added in there just stuff that just to make the mpaa give it an r rating which i think is hilarious i mean they should yeah. be an unrated cut of brain donors let's just do it it's yeah. time pedophile jokes like yeah. it's so hard to believe that they cut something but then <laughs> left all the rest of it it's like a they cut 10 minutes of Bob Nelson pulling shit out of his pocket. And... <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, it's just him behind camera going like this. Just like, yeah. just vamp, more, do more, 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 more. more, more. <laughs> Very I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely absurd. Would you, so Hunter, you have been on this podcast several times yes. um, for some pretty bad movies. Is yeah. this the worst film that it's, you've been on well, for? Okay, so I said I was in a bad mood earlier, and then I yeah. watched the movie. Yeah, and then I texted my wife, who's also been on the the podcast, yeah, she has, and will be on here, you know, soon. And too. and we've done it together. Yes, um, we actually conceived our children on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, me too. But you can only <laughs> see it on Patreon. <laughs> you can only see it on Patreon. Um, I texted her and I said, "This is the fucking biggest piece of shit I've ever seen." For this fucking podcast, god damn it, so angry. Um, which I was excited to come talk to you guys about because I, I knew I knew I'd get turned around a little bit. And uh yeah, are you asking for my scores? I'm asking well, I we're gonna rate this in one second, but I'm just curious okay, of the yeah. films that you've been on for, okay? Just I'm gonna list them for you. You've got Chill Factor, you have uh <laughs> your Thomas Crown Affair, mm-hmm. Bowfinger, mm-hmm. Omega Code, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ghostbusters Two, oh, The Hangover. That's my jam. Oh yeah, Hangover. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think I think that's it. But that's, the the, the real stinkers it. are Omega Code and Chill Factor. Chill, is chill this Factor. worse than them? Um, well, Chill Factor is just more of like a mismarketed, bizarre. I think Chill Factor movie. is less entertaining than this movie. It's definitely less entertaining. Um, Omega Code is just. I mean, it is what it's like a Christian, you know, whatever. Have you seen Omega Code, Emily? I have. Yes. <laughs> it's really. I just, really I assume that, good. you know, with, with your, you know, Christian background, maybe that that movie would speak. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen it. I've loved it. You know, no, I, 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 <laughs> here's the thing. Like, I, that, even at the time, yes. like and within that world, people yes. were like, well, this is, this is kind of bullshit. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. and yet, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. still, it's not yeah. good. So, um, would you say this no, is worse this than? Is, okay. I was angry, but it's also like it's my field. Like, I would love to have somebody give me some money to make a movie or something. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like I'm like, well, I could have done a better movie than that. I could have fixed that. But right. um, no, it's definitely it's not the worst thing ever. And like I said, if you're with a group of people, yeah. fantastic. Sure. If you're all high, more fantastic. Add some booze. Sure. That's. That's all I'd do. Though. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't move on to other drugs. Sure. Those are the drugs I think you need to watch this. But I mean, I think definitely, you know, strangely, well, I was going to say this, and now I'm going to back off. Well, what, what would you, you say could... your score is prior to this podcast, and what's your score now? 
Well, prior to even watching it, it was 100, obviously, because it's a 79-minute comedy, and it's Correct. great. Um, I was, I, I think after I watched it, I would have put it at a 5. Um, I'm going to go up to a 20. I feel okay. like after talking okay. to you guys, I feel like I feel like I was being harsh on it. I think there's some redeeming stuff in there. I strangely, I walked away going, John Turturro's terrible. But I strangely think he was great, but not right for, yeah. but not right I, for the movie, which I can't. It's so hard to parse that out. It's hard to square that off. So sure. I'll go. I'll go a twenty. Okay. Um, there, there are there. It feels like in my future, there could be a set of circumstances that leads me to pulling out my laptop and going, guys, I have an illegal stream of this. Let's watch it. <laughs> Uh, for, a second, for a second, yeah. I was going to say you could watch it with kids, but it's not quite there. It's not quite there because, like I, you know, young Young Frankenstein's a great like movie to watch with kids. Whatever. Anyway. No, yeah, yeah. I think most of Mel Brooks stuff is pretty kid friendly. Right. The Zucker yeah. stuff yeah. is they always kind yes. of zag yes. into something that's yes. not great for kids. Yes. But yeah. Anyway. So, Sean, you saw this for the first time a few years ago. Is that correct? Yeah. Like last year or two years ago. So I can't remember. What, what would you give this film prior to this podcast? And where are you now after this conversation? So the, when I first found out about this movie, I thought this would be and I'll be honest with you. I yeah. paid $13 thinking it was going to be a a two. I was very excited at the idea of watching something that was just a complete fucking train wreck. Sure. Uh, and like, I love, there's nothing f- funnier to me than like a, an act watching like a film comedy and watching someone bomb, uh-huh. which I thought you people had three moments of, of just somebody bombing on screen. And it's so rare to see somebody just wow. bomb in a movie and, and they, keep it, Schultz, they keep it in the cut yeah and andrew <laughs> schultz andrew schultz and like the wedding scene or like the dress rehearsal scene or the rehearsal dinner scene has a line that that lands with such a thud that you can even feel the extras the being was. like this sucks and i love that i love that for okay. him okay anyway so in my mind, when I bought this movie for $14, I thought this is going to be a two. It was going to be a piece of shit. And then I would annoy my wife with it. Anyway, uh-huh. I watched it and I liked it. It would surprise me so much. So like in my head, when you were asking me what I, what I wanted to watch from 1992, I suggested brain donors you did. because after watching it, I was like, this is a 50. It's right down the middle. It's a 50. It's a, it's a fail. It's a failing grade, but I had a good yeah. time with it. Watching it again uh-huh. for this podcast, I'm going to have to say it's still the third best movie I've ever watched for this podcast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I think Dogma's better than this. And I think uh-huh. Bill and Ted's Bill Excellent and Ted. Adventures yeah. is, of course, better than I gave it a 94. Right. Uh, Holy shit. I love Bill and Ted. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I do think this is, yeah, Mountains Better Than Boondock is, Saints. And, sure. like, honestly, Year One's the worst movie ever made. Uh, <laughs> my apologies to Judd Apatow. You destroyed comedy forever. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say 
This movie, after watching it a second time, is a 38 for me. And I liked it. You know, it's funny you bring up your one because um, I feel like your one is is my barometer. Like, that's that's my line in the sand of, like, the worst comedy can be. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just watching something and just be... Because the potential of it, of, like, all of those people... I, I went into this with no expectations, right? Like, I didn't really know shit about brain donors and just kind of press play. And, it, and I'll give my score in a second, but... It, it year one's the type of thing where you're like, well, there's got this, this has got to be a secret masterpiece, right? Like everyone yeah. was just wrong. And then you're like, fuck. No, <laughs> it, it's, it's so confusingly bad because it literally has a blueprint from better movies doing the exact same thing to copy. Yes. And they don't do that. And they don't do any of it. It's crazy. That's like we, we took two movies and we took the worst aspects of every one of them. Yes. And we joined them together. It's like, why would you do that? It was just, uh, so this movie, I, I gotta be honest. I came into this podcast. Uh, I was at a 40. I, I thought that this movie had enough stuff in it that worked for me, mostly to Turo that I was like, I like, I mean, I like what he's bringing to this. It's not working. It's kind of like, and this is a, maybe a bizarre comparison, but did anyone see, uh, <laughs> did anyone see Kristen Stewart's, uh, Charlie's angels movie by any chance? Did anyone see that movie? Uh, I was asked to not watch it, so I okay. um I watched it, and uh, I saw it in the in the theater. Uh, it's not good. Don't watch it. But Kristen Stewart's great, and I'm just like, I want to see that movie. So I kind of watched this, and I was like, I want to see the John Turturro movie because if everyone was on the same page, or at least in the same movie he was in, I think it all might have worked. This is all to say that I'm going to stick at a forty. I feel like this movie's. Fine. I wouldn't recommend anybody watch it, but at the same time, I think it's pretty decent. What about you, Emily? You know, I was. I don't think this movie's better than A Few Good Men. I'm gonna. I'm just Good. gonna be clear. On that. <laughs> Glad to hear it. I don't think it's better than Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. But I've yeah. really been on a journey with this podcast of just watching <laughs> movies and just being like. Why am I alive and why were movies invented? (laughs) And like, these are movies I like. And I'm still like, you know what? The 90s were a long time ago, so on and so forth. I feel as though as a society, we've moved past a lot of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brain donors, though, I think we, we need to stop and take a look back. I think we collectively, as a people, need to say there was a time when a movie like Brain Donors could be released into theaters barely, and it was there, and we could see it, and we could appreciate it, and we could understand that there's nothing funnier than a man whose pockets are full of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I'm going to go 67. I think I'm going to go 67. I think I had God bless you, know you. I had a <laughs> I I had a fucking blast. So many of these movies I've sat down to watch and they felt like homework, even ones I've liked. This I sat down, I was like, whatever this is, it's 79 minutes. And there were times when I was like, what the fuck is this? There were times when I was like, I hate this. There were times when I was like, why were movies invented? And then we got to the ballet and I was like, no, I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Sixty no 68 going up one 68 <laughs> if you this long enough you're gonna be at 99 i feel like uh i i appreciate 
all of that. I can't get that on board, but I love that you that you like it that much. I'm going to start doing Emily's Brain Donors Minute. It's going to be. <laughs> I do. I, I'm going to ask you guys uh, as we wrap this up, because next week we're doing a movie that I don't know if you guys have seen. I feel like maybe, Sean, you've seen it. Hunter, I don't know. It's a movie called Bob Roberts. Have you guys seen this film? The, the Tim Robbins movie? I have not, but I, I I was with a group of friends who would not shut the fuck up about it. Really? If you know I, anything about me, you know that that will make me not watch a movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a surefire way to make sure yeah. Hunter doesn't watch it. So he will not be watching Babylon. But I yeah. do think that... I've never um, seen it, but The Simpsons did have a, an episode they? called Sideshow Bob Roberts. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. That's great. It's, you know, we have Ryan Marker on from the, the Screen Drafts podcast. He's going to come and talk about that with us. Um, I think it's an interesting movie. Made me think a lot of like Wag the Dog and lots of sort of political, politically savvy movies of the 90s that had no idea the dumpster fire that was just around the corner. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, I do think it's very insightful. I thought it was interesting. I think Tim Robbins is an interesting director. Um, he's only made three movies am i crazy emily is it only, i think it's only dead man walking uh cradle rock and this and bob I roberts think if I'm not mistaken. so I'll, i think I'm that's right check this yeah. but I, I he's an interesting director i think dead man walking is a really great film um haven't seen it in a while but i'm sure i hope it holds up but anyway um thank you guys for coming on and talking about this fucking wackadoo movie um taking 79 minutes of your time to watch it Away from your I, loved will ones. S- I will say, I did hear a fun story about mm-hmm. Tim Robbins on the, the set of Cradle Rock. There's like a there's a there's a oneer in the in the movie, uh-huh. and uh, it was super complicated. I've never seen Cradle Rock, so I don't know. I've just heard this story. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, I've heard this story secondhand. But there's like a one shot in the movie, and uh, it goes on for a long time. And anyway, an extra fucked it up and tim robbins went nuts on the extra Hmm. like just lost it on him so they set it all up again do it a second time and they're nailing it and bill murray yells and cut (laughs) and ruined the whole shot the second time (laughs) fantastic Uh, that that's that's great uh is phil phil this may be for our bob roberts episode but Tim Robbins has directed two other films, both of which, one of which is a filmed version of a stage play full of Commedia dell'arte attempting to take down the George W. Bush administration. The other of which involves him visiting a penitentiary to teach everyone how to do Commedia dell'arte. So like he found a niche and he's just like (laughs) sticking to it. I'm not making this up either. He's, yeah. Uh, he's an interesting guy and obviously you know uh, notoriously or whatever famously married to Susan Sarandon for a very long time and now I guess is dating Reed Morano who's been dating her for two years it's an interesting I don't know little tidbit little bit of trivia uh, he, he sure he seems like an interesting guy um, uh, but we'll talk Tim Robbins in depth on our uh, Bob Roberts episode guys I very very much appreciate you coming on we can't wait to have you both back uh for a better movie, it's a low bar, but I think the next one will be better. I feel like we may be like a team now. I don't know. I yeah. think you are. See what happens. I think I think it's. Happening. I would love to be on every episode with <laughs> with you. Like I would love it so much. Like there's. I, I, I mean, I, truly, I respect you so much, and I was like, oh yeah, I found myself agreeing a lot, like doing my little <laughs> nod and like. 
listen I, I you guys are great uh we've obviously had you on many times independently you're great together um and i can't wait to have you guys back to talk about i don't know we'll talk yeah, about thank something you guys. Be great. And it was a pleasure to hang out with emily more i only got to see you on the crazy magnolia yeah. uh extravaganza which only proves you don't have to watch the movie to it's come in good. hot and have sure. a take and annoy sure. people like I did. Yeah. You did a great job at that, Hunter. You also that that episode also proves that um, you know, people you bring enough people together, they'll talk about Tom Cruise for two hours, and you know, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how that goes. I uh, I forgot to rate this on the Emily's queer queer phobia oh, yes, scale. Uh, I'm gonna give it a J because I'm pretty sure it was queer phobic, but I can't say for sure. It's just like I, it seems like it's playing with different rules of language. So yeah, I do. I think it's. Yeah, it never fully goes there, and yet at the same time, you feel like it's it's. Oh yeah, you to... always feel like these guys are going to come over and start calling you slurs and push your face. And, <laughs> and <you're... laughs> no, there is there is like a there is like a lack of queer phobic jokes. Yes, that you feel like, or yes. maybe maybe yeah. that's the extended cut. It's just <laughs> they're in the Dugan cut. They're, they're, in the Dugan they're, cut. Yeah. There's definitely an implied queer phobia. Yeah. We could all yes. agree that it's like it's so queer phobic it won't even be queer phobic. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, like, like fuck that. Like that's gross. I'm not yeah. even yeah, gonna do that. I'm not even they're like, that's part for the course. You know we are we, yes. you know we've done it before. <laughs> I'm not gay enough to be queer phobic. Get out of yeah. here. It feels right. That feels right. Yeah. yeah. Um all right, guys. A pleasure as always. We can't awesome. wait to talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.